following program is paid for by the Cadillac Foundation. It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KOMA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Foundations at Cadillac. Each week, we are here to share with you important health and medical information for you and your loved ones. Today's topic, the life-saving work of first responders, hospital caregivers, and friends like you who know what to do in the event you encounter someone who has suffered a heart attack or cardiac arrest. It's known as the chain of survival in emergency response circles, and today we are going to bring you all of the links of that chain. We will hear the firsthand story of a man who suffered cardiac arrest and was brought back to life multiple times and will share his harrowing experience and his gratefulness to the heroes who saved his life. We will also talk with a firefighter paramedic who was part of his life-saving team and will share how we can all become involved to take life-saving action should it be needed. Our first guest today, Captain Michael Van Beek, a battalion chief with the Richland Fire Department and one of the leaders of an effort in the city of Richland to strengthen the chain of survival when it comes to emergency response. Captain Van Beek, I had a chance to attend a moving ceremony a few weeks ago where you and your team celebrated wins in the chain of survival, and that means saving lives. For our listeners, please begin by explaining just what you mean by chain of survival. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I, I appreciate you having us on the show uh, today and, and be happy to talk to you about that. So uh, first of all, the American Heart Association has uh, coined the term the chain of survival, and really each link represents the steps that it takes uh, for a successful cardiac arrest uh, resuscitation to happen. And the, the first chain in, in, or the first link in that chain is activation of the 911 system. If we don't call 911 and, and activate the 911 system, then there's no way for our EMS responders to get there and provide the life-saving measure, measures that we can. Uh, the, the second link in the chain is, is high-quality CPR. So we need to empower our community to recognize cardiac arrest and be willing to step in and provide hands-only CPR uh, should it be needed. Uh, and that's a part of our Heart Safe Richland initiative is to try and teach uh, as many people within our community as we can uh, the life-saving skills of hands-only CPR. Uh, that third link is uh, defibrillation, and that's with uh, an automated external defibrillator. And that's another piece of our Heart Safe Richland program is the use of, of an AED and teaching people how to use AEDs and then also being able to place those AEDs out into our community um, where they could be uh, readily available and used should they be needed. Uh, the, the fourth chain represents advanced resuscitation, and that's where EMS comes in. That's where our EMTs and, and paramedics come, and they provide uh, that advanced life support that's needed to um, resuscitate someone from cardiac arrest. Um, the next chain is bring them to the hospital. Once uh, we can stabilize the patient, they need to go to a higher level of care, and that's when we transport them to the emergency room uh, where doctors and nurses take over and continue that resuscitation effort and that recovery. Um, which brings us to the last link, which is that recovery piece. And when we talk about recovery, um, suffering a cardiac arrest is an emotional experience for someone, and, and it's a life-altering experience. And we need to recognize that those people need support uh, after their cardiac arrest to kind of reintegrate with their family and into society. And it's also about recovery for our 911 responders, our first responders, who, um, you know, the the work that they do can be taxing on them, and we have to recognize that as well. And that's kind of uh, all six links within the chain of survival. 
And interestingly, I would think if any one of them is not uh, working properly, that's where problems can ensue. So all the reason to, to make, make sure that these links are as strong as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we have to take a holistic approach when we want to increase survival from cardiac arrest, because each link within that chain is so vitally important. And if we can strengthen each one of those links, then the chain itself becomes uh, even that much more strong, and we can save more lives from cardiac arrest. Now, you touched on the Heart Safe Richland initiative. You've touched, I know we have talked before about the Pulse Point app that is available to people anywhere in the Tri Cities uh, where we can learn about how, how, when someone is in the midst of a cardiac arrest. But I, I understand your efforts have proved very successful on a community wide basis statistically, and we hate to use these as statistics because each of these is a life. But explain what you mean by that and share that success on how you measure wins. Yeah, so, you know, nationally, the survival rates from cardiac arrest are actually not great. It's, it's less than 10% of people uh, nationwide uh, survive a cardiac arrest event. Now, here within the city of Richland, we are very proud of our numbers. And over the last five years, our data has shown that survival rates from cardiac arrest within the city of Richland are upwards of 53%. So those are numbers that we are certainly proud of, and it's um, because of the hard work that a lot of people have put in to strengthen the chain of survival. Uh, But we recognize that we can do better, and that's why we want to continually look at the chain of survival, measure what we are doing, and look for ways to improve. And and really, um, if, you, if you look at the, the, the chain of survival, three of the links, which is half of them, have to do with the lay responders. Um, and that's why we need to engage our community, because we know if someone recognizes cardiac arrest early, they're able to start hands-only CPR before we get there and call 911, and then also find an AED, the chances of survival increase dramatically when that happens. And this could ha- mean, as you touched on, anywhere. It could be someone who is out shopping at a grocery store, watching a baseball game on a weekend of their of their child, or just or at home that can be stricken. So this this can happen anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of our our class, our Heart Safe Richland class, and we teach hands only CPR. Is we talk about uh, recognition, and we talk about the fact that more than likely, if you're going to have to perform CPR. It's probably going to be on someone that you know, a family member, a friend. And we, we teach people to try to overcome that emotional barrier. You have to kind of, kind of break through the barrier and recognize that this is a serious event and that you need to provide uh, your friend or your loved one that uh, high-quality, hands-only CPR. That's an interesting point, a really good point, because certainly in that instance, that was one of the questions that I had for you. It was just it's traumatic. And as you say, not only is just having the confidence in yourself to do it on anyone, in many cases, it's probably going to be a loved one. You're right. And that's why it's so important for people to, um, you know, take a hands-only CPR class or take our, our Heart Safe Richland hands-only CPR class, because, um, you know, kind of once even just talking about it and getting uh, the feel for what a mannequin feels like and talking about that this could be one of your loved ones, um, just that alone, that education piece, will help people overcome that emotional barrier and, and help them to be able to start CPR on a, on a friend uh, or a loved one. And if you would, uh, one final question, because uh, in a moment we're going to meet someone who knows firsthand just what it means to 
forget or for uh, go into cardiac arrest and need that life-saving treatment of all of these links. But maybe just to take away from your view, having, you know, worked in that that space of trying to educate the community and train the community in this area. Yeah, and I think, like, like I said, the most important piece of this chain of survival is those first three links. If, if someone doesn't recognize cardiac arrest and call 911, then we never get there. We never get there in a timely manner. And studies have shown that if someone can just start CPR and the sooner they start CPR, the higher the chances of, of survival. And then if we can make AEDs more accessible to our community, again, studies have shown that if you can combine early hands-only CPR with early AED use and defibrillation of those patients, the chances of survival just increase dramatically. And, you know, oftentimes I've seen as a provider, when those three links happen in a cardiac arrest and we arrive, typically all we have to do is provide supportive care because the lay rescuer has actually saved that person from cardiac arrest. They've shocked them back into a normal rhythm, and then we're just providing supportive care all the way to the hospital. So those first three links, the bystander, are so vitally important in increasing survival from cardiac arrest. Captain Mike Van Beek with the Richland Fire Department, thanks so much for your time. In a moment, we will be visiting with someone who was brought back to life by the paramedics, the EMTs, these first responders here in the Tri-Cities. More of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call presented by the Foundations at Cadillac. We are learning about the chain of survival as it relates to life-saving care for people who suffer cardiac arrest. Our next guest knows exactly what he's talking about because he nearly died after his heart stopped multiple times. Tim Hine, by all accounts, is a very healthy person, but in the spring of 2021, he went into cardiac arrest due to an embolism. He was home. It was Saturday morning, and he woke up to a life-changing experience. His heart stopped. His wife called 911, and that's about all he remembered at the time. But two years later, Tim joins us tonight, happy, healthy, and mostly grateful. Tim, we've shared our listeners the definition of chain of survival. I'm guessing prior to your experience, you would have no idea what that means. I did not. Uh, it was a new, a new terminology to me, for me to uh, understand. So uh, I've learned the hard way, I guess. <laughs> but I'm I'm bet you're so glad that that chain of survival uh, is strong, at least as it pertains to the care that you received. Oh, very thankful for the uh, um, the training that uh, that you all um, receive um, to to be able to save people like myself. If you would uh, share with us uh, what happened, I, I gave kind of a brief analogy that it hit you early on a Saturday morning and. And I understand you suffered an embolism, which, but basically that caused your heart to stop. Talk us through what you remember, what happened, and, and I know you had a very rigorous experience, a very challenging experience in the hospital as well as far as fighting for your life. I will. I, 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 I felt it the day before. I was out working and got a lot more tired than I normally would took a little break, finished my day at work and went home and went to sleep that night and woke up the next morning and 
and uh, my world changed. I got lightheaded. Um, you know, luckily for cell phones, I was able to call my wife from the, the, she was in the back of the house and I was at the front and thankfully she came out and I said, we need to go to the hospital. Uh, I didn't quite make it. I uh, sat back down in the chair and I uh, was passed out. I remember waking up, my wife was yelling at me. Uh, she called 911. Uh, I remember them telling my wife to get me to the floor. And I was able to help my, my wife and, and daughter get myself to the floor. And then uh, I was out again. And uh, next thing I know, the paramedics are there, uh, Richland Fire Department, and um, loaded me on the, uh, on the, on the stretcher. And I remember heading out to the, uh, um, the unit. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the, in the back of the unit headed down and I was awake briefly. And I, I remember it was, I don't remember a lot from that, that day, but I remember the teamwork that was going on in the back of that, uh, back of the, uh, the, the unit there. And, uh, and I even mentioned something about teamwork. And I remember going into the ER after that, and that was it. Next thing I know, I'm waking up with um, my family. My daughter was. I know you suffered a, an, yelling at me. an embolism, <laughs> which caused your heart to stop. And I understand once you got to the hospital. I mean, it was it was more intensive work to keep you alive. It was. Uh, I, evidently, I coded about twelve times that day. They uh, revived me every time because I had somewhat healthy heart and uh, spent seven weeks in the ICU. Uh, ended up with uh, liver and kidney problems that rebounded. Uh, ended up with a collapsed lung. I took on uh, 13 liters of fluid on my body and uh, another, I think it was 26 units of blood. I had so much internal bleeding, so um, I'm so very blessed to be here today and thankful for, for the Richland Fire Department and Cadillac. What do you think two years later? I know you're coming up on two years almost to the day from when it happened, but two years later as you reflect on this, and I know I met you at this chain of survival ceremony a few weeks ago, and, and your your words to the crowd were, but you got to meet the people that, that saved your life. What did it mean to you to be able to do that? And, and, and what do you think all, uh, two, these two years later? Uh, it, was, it was absolutely breathtaking to get to meet the people that saved my life. Um, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. I, I feel very lucky to be able to do such a thing. Um, if I look back over these two years, uh, learn to listen to your body. If I'd have listened to all that that winter before all this happened, I think I would have avoided a lot of a lot of grief from my family. I put them through a lot, ignoring what my body was telling me. So I, I've learned to listen to my body now. Um, I've learned to be more patient. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, we as as men are stubborn. I think. We don't ever want to go to the doctor. We don't want to go to the hospital. Oh, I've learned, listen to your body. If you have a question, don't hesitate and get in and get yourself taken care of. Now, in your case, you suffered an, an embolism, so it wasn't, I guess, a cardiac arrest. You could call it a heart attack, but it wasn't like you had 
heart blockage. I think you said otherwise your heart was very healthy, but it was these blood clots that that got in the way of your of of your your breathing patterns and and caused all of this challenge that you faced. Um, but these two years later, you said you've had some internal issues. But are you feeling good? Are you mentally feeling strong? I'm feeling good. Uh, it's taken a long time to recover. Um, you know, I lost 45 pounds in the hospital. I lost all the muscle I took years of building up. I'm a big guy, six six and two thirty. You lose all that muscle in a matter of a week, two weeks, and uh, so I'm finally getting there. It took me till December of this year to actually start feeling strong again. Uh, but I feel good now. Uh, I do notice some uh, memory issues. Um, but you know, you, you go through CPR for an hour, you're going to have some memory issues. Oh. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah. So I do notice a little bit of that, but I, I'm, I feel really good. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. And, um, you know, if you ever break ribs, you, you, you kind of get phantom rib pains <laughs> even a year and a half later. So <laughs> I tend to get those as well. So. And you went through this during the pandemic, so you know I'm sure the visitors' challenges, and so in addition to the the expertise and the life saving work of the paramedics and the hospital personnel that that kept you alive, uh, you're having to deal with this with them as your caregivers and serving as your family and helping you communicate with your loved ones. I'm sure. Oh, definitely. It was uh, you know I, I, I developed a, a strong bond with the people in the ICU and the step-down unit Cadillac. And uh, luckily I was able to have, you know, you could back then you could have two visitors, but you had to pick two and stick with two. So how do you pick between three kids and, and your wife? So luckily my <laughs> wife was able to take time off of work and, and be with me eight to eight every day up there. And, and um, it was scary at night because you don't want to go to sleep. Um, so, you know, that was my, some internal that goes on with you, you know, you just don't want to go to sleep because you don't think you're going to wake up again, but, um, made it through and, and staff there was like, Tim, why don't you go to sleep? <laughs> so, <laughs> I did that a while. It was hard to, yeah. hard to explain. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. unless you've been through it, it's really sure. hard to, uh, to convey that to somebody else. But, uh, yeah, they were, yeah, it was my second family. Awesome. We have maybe 30, 40 seconds left. We're going to have one of the paramedics who was part of your rescue team on after you. But if you would, maybe a message to him and his colleagues on the first responder side, the team at Cadillac. You know, that crew, all of the original fire, they're my heroes. Um, For years, my dad, uh, being a Marine, was my hero. But that crew uh, wouldn't be here without him. I'm, I'm eternally and forever grateful for for the Richland Fire Department. And, and I, I wouldn't be here without what they do, the training they get, um, training Cadillac gets. Just so thankful for them. Uh, they'll, they'll never know. I mean, they're just doing their job. They'll never know how they truly affect people's lives. So uh, very thankful. Well, thank you for being so willing to share your time. Tim Hine, a healthy two years later heart attack survivor, uh, part of that chain of survival and a successful story. Back with more of Catholic on Call right after this. 
This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the foundations at Cadillac. And again, our thanks to Tim Hine, a very powerful story of his life of survival, surviving the chain of survival after his heart stopped two years ago. He was brought back to life by paramedics with the Richland Fire Department and spent a great deal of time in the hospital where he was very touch and go for a number of days and weeks. And he's clearly, as you heard, very grateful uh, to the caregivers who brought him back to life. And one of those caregivers is with us now, and he is Captain Adam Hargrove with the Richland Fire Department. And, Adam, we had your colleague, Captain Mike Van Beek, on to begin the program, sharing the great stories that uh, the city of Richland has brought forth with the uh, Chain of Survival program, the Heart Safe Richland program. But you were there that day when... Uh, Tim, uh, the call came in to go uh, take care of Tim, and maybe just uh, from perspective of what it took, uh, the number of people involved in that, and just what it's like to go through that from your perspective. Sure, and thanks for having having all, all of us on. And um, it was it was really, I was listening to the show before. It was really neat listening to Tim. Um, it, it's it's special when you can you can have that interaction interaction with somebody. Uh, but yeah, we we I remember we were initially dispatched for uh, a person not feeling well, uh, a little bit of difficulty breathing, and some some dizziness. Um, and and I remember specifically because uh, he was a, a rather tall person. I remember making the comment to him that that he didn't really fit on our cot. Um, <laughs> but he he looked um, he looked sick, um, and uh, he was trying to trying to be lighthearted about it. But you could tell he was he was not doing well. Um, so that was one of those situations where we tried to evaluate quickly and get headed towards the hospital. Um, on that initial ambulance, there's there's three of us. Um, there's there's almost always a paramedic, at least one paramedic. Um, and that day we happened to have two paramedics uh, and an EMT on on the ambulance. Um, so as soon as we got in the back of the ambulance, um, that's when his heart stopped for the first time. Um, it was actually uh, Captain Noah Bowen. Uh, he was on the rake. He noticed uh, that Tim went unconscious and took a quick look at the monitor and saw, saw that he was asystole, which um, in layman's terms, he, he went flatline on us. Um, so immediately uh, began CPR, uh, called for additional help. Uh, once once someone goes into cardiac arrest, we, we try to get you know all hands on deck. So we asked for a second ambulance, which uh, there were four on that ambulance that day. So a total of seven people Um took care of Tim throughout the day on, on the way to the hospital, um, did CPR on him for approximately one minute. Um, and that, uh, that kind of started his heart back up again. And then it was, um, to the hospital, it was kind of treating him, starting IVs, um, giving him drugs on the way to the hospital. And then, and then the handoff to the hospital and, and Chief Van Beek earlier talked about the chain of survival. It, it, it doesn't start or end with just one of those links, and, and we are just one of those six links. So get into the hospital. Uh, Dr. Himmel uh, met me uh, as we came into the door, asked for the report. Um, so I'm giving him and the lead nurse a report. Um, and then we transferred him onto the uh, the ER bed, and that's when he went into cardiac arrest for the second time. I think in total he had maybe 10 or, 10 or 11 times total. Um, but, yeah, went into cardiac arrest that time, and then CPR was initially started uh, immediately by the nurse who witnessed it. So it is really a continuum of care uh, that that helps save lives. 
It's it's just amazing to hear you talk about it. It's it's almost like you're just reading off your report that you probably file later or read about how the call came in and and the, and the correspondence and the communication. But but this is this is got to be just utterly intense. And is is that in your case? You you, you know. Tim said, well, they just say they, they're just doing their job, but you literally are just doing your job. We, we really are. Um, and calls like that stick with you. You know, the, the really bad calls stick with you, and then the really successful calls stick with you. And that this is a, a really successful call. So, so you remember that, and, and you, you try to follow up, and, and it, having that relationship with the hospital is, is tremendous because we're able to come back in, you know, because as soon as we leave, we go on another call, and we don't forget about the people that we bring to the hospital. So the next time we're in the ER again, we're checking up. In this case, we checked up on, on Tim to see how he's doing. And then even days later, checking in with the nurse to say, hey, can you, can you check how he's doing? I know he's in the ICU. Can, can you give us an update? So just following his story. And it was really neat. Um, I remember he came by our station. Um, this was months later. Um, I didn't even recognize him. He had lost uh, a lot of weight, but he came by the station to, to take us in person. And that was... Uh, a really special moment. And then a few weeks ago at the chain of survival ceremony over at the community center and to hear his words, an interesting captain Van Beek was sharing that the, the point that, uh, uh, chief Van Beek, I should say that, uh, not all the time, the people, it takes a while. There's an emotional toll that it takes on these, these patients that, that for the gratitude that they feel, it may be the next year that they want to come and say thank you. And, and that was kind of the case that Tim said. But that had to be a lot of meaning to be able to, to see and meet him and see him these years later and see him back to maybe his normal size and, and weight. It, it absolutely is. And, and, you know, it's those wins that, that make you make you want to even be better. Um so we, we, I think Chief Van Beek has maybe mentioned that we, how often we train in CPR, and um, it, it pays to be on top of our game. And, and really, any drug or any procedure, for the most part, that is done in the hospital, we can do in the field. And um, we want to be the best that we can be when, when it comes to that. And you touched on the fact that there were seven of you and your colleagues that were part of this. And is that unusual? Is you know, I think people maybe just think that. When an ambulance go, you dispatch an ambulance. It's a driver and another paramedic that's with them. But it's 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 clearly more than just that. It sounds like it, it is, and it'll differ for different departments. Uh, for us, we we operate with a minimum of three people at every station, um, and, and we we call ourselves jump crews. So every station will have an ambulance. Every station will have an engine. And some stations will even have specialized equipment, like a grass truck or a, a larger larger truck on there. But whatever the call is, we jump to that rig. So that, that day, the call came in for a medical call. So the three of us jumped onto the ambulance and, and went. And were you, I, I understand, Tim said he was out at Horn Rapids. So, you know, from the basic proper part of Richland, that, that's not a quick trip. No, but uh, we were at our new station, or excuse me, at, at our old station that day. Uh, we do have a newer one closer to Horn Rapids now. But um, I did look this up before before I talk today, and it, 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 our response was about five and a half minutes. Um, we aimed to be right at four minutes, but he, he lived out there a little bit, so it took a little bit longer to get there. So I guess one uh, concluding moan, uh, comment from you, if you would, Adam, is just share personally, and you kind of touched on it already, but, but what does it mean to you to be in this first responder community, and especially when you can 
you can celebrate a win like this one? Uh, you know, it, it it just means the world. I mean, it's there's times that it's super emotional, um, but we all got into this job to to make a difference and to save a life. And what's what's really neat that that Tim touched on at the the ceremony is he has a new job at a new location, and he was able to share his experience with one of his coworkers who ended up needing to be seen in the ER for, it sounds like something very similar. So, you know, it, you help one person, and if you save their life, you never know what impact they're going to have in the world. So it's it's really neat to, to be able to just be a part of that experience. <laughs> and he made a joke to me when I talked to him, because he's now moved to East Wenatchee, and he was sharing those Hey, Jim, I'm happy to come to Richland and be there in person because I know it's a pretty safe community. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. We, we strive to be. Captain Adam Hargrove, one of the paramedics, a crew of seven that was involved in the, in the saving of the life of Tim Hyam, who you met just a moment ago. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. We appreciate it and continued success to you and your colleagues in the first responder community. Thank you, Jim. Adam Hargrove with the Richland Fire Department. We're going to come back and talk to the Richland Fire Chief and get his perspective on all of this, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Foundations at Cadillac. And our final guest of the evening is the fire chief of the city of Richland, and that's Chief Tom, Tom Huntington. And, and Tom, you've uh, hopefully got to hear some of your uh, colleagues in the first responder community within the Richland Fire Department a little bit. And, and we also had uh, one of the, the saves, as you call them, the wins, if you will, uh, from this, this uh, chain of survival effort that is underway. And, and as the chief of the Richland Fire Department, it must make you feel very proud to, to hear these successes. I know um, they're not always, they don't always happen. And, and the fact that the success you see on such a, uh, uh, an optimistic rate must make you proud. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the one of the things that's so amazing about the workforce that we have here at Richland Fire and Emergency Services is just the absolute commitment to this community and to uh, just improving every aspect that we that we possibly can throughout our service, and uh, we you know we've started the Heart Safe initiative a couple of years ago and and had some pretty profound improvements in year one, and uh, our workforce has just grabbed hold of that and and every year we see continued investments and improvements. So yeah, as a fire chief, uh, this is just such amazing work to to watch and be part of. And as you said, it's uh, very very easy to be proud of this workforce. They're, they're an amazing group. You know, in talking with Captain Hargrove, he talked about in the case of Tim Hine, who had lived out in Horn Rapids, and I think he was saying it was five-ish minutes that, that it took them to get there. And you try, he goes, yeah, we try to get there in four, but if you think if you've ever been in Richland and you're basically in downtown Richland and have to go, drive to Horn Rapids to get there in five minutes is pretty darn quick. Yeah, that, that is one of the key challenges. And, and what we recognized in the, in the past decade is it's just impossible to keep up with the, the growth in the community. Uh, and, and to have that kind of four to five minute response time throughout our entire city. And so that's the, in my estimation, that's the power of programs like Heart Safe Richland, because we really, you know, we, we used to have this mentality of what I like to call the, uh, the white knight syndrome, where, you know, we wanted to ride in on our, on our seat and, and <laughs> save the day and sort of be the, the sole rescuer and take all the credit. 
And, and again, the, the credit goes to this workforce that we have because they've just they've completely uh, turned away from that model. And we recognize that the, the most effective way that we can have an impact in our community is to actually involve the community in that continuum of care, uh, in that chain of survival. And, and again, you know, we've, we've trained over, I think, 15 or 16,000 people in the, in the community on Hansley CPR in the last three years. So it's just an amazing uh, investment. And, um, and I would also add an amazing uh, investment by our community back into uh, helping ensure that uh, cases like Tim's can, can come to be and, you know, Kim, Tim can leave the hospital um, with the same quality of life that he had prior to his cardiac event. And you touched on it, Battalion Chief Van Beek as well, these chains of the links in the chain of survival. And I think he was saying that there are three of those ch- ch- uh, links are, you know, that you and I can control as, as community members. And so the community, I think that the success you've had with that and we've had in this community with that and things like the Pulse Point app clearly show that, the, the the involvement of the lay public in these you want that right oh absolutely you know our, our slogan for the whole program is don't wait for help be the help and uh, it, it is just so critical that uh the, you know the the science has shown and the, the research medical research over the last several years has shown the importance of getting good quality cpr started as quickly as possible and then uh applying electricity through an aed when appropriate uh and so, you know, as part of this program, there's the, the notification piece with Pulse Point. There's the training component with the handling CPR. And then the, the third component that we're really excited about, last fall we were able to put a 24-7 community access AED into Howard Amon Park. Uh, we did that as a, a proof of concept to, to prove, I think, to a lot of naysayers that it could work. And uh, it, ha- it has worked, uh, remains available, and we're excited to uh, look at expanding that footprint in the community as well. And look for opportunities to put AEDs, for instance, at youth sports complexes and, and other, other parks in the city where we have large gatherings of people, and, and that, uh, that device can make such an impact on, on somebody that has an event. Well, stay tuned for some more news on that in the coming weeks. Uh, our foundations at Cadillac are, are a part of that initiative, and we're going to have some exciting announcement just in time for the spring sports season in our area parks. But, but if you would, Chief Huntington, uh, a concluding comment a, a little bit about the importance of uh, this hands-only CPR. I mean, everybody always thinks of the, the stereotype of the mouth-to-mouth CPR, and you're wanting people just using their hands and these rapid uh, compressions on chest. You want people to learn that, and it's it's a lot easier, and it's not as uh, not as fearful that that people might encounter. Yeah, absolutely. the uh, the The old sort of traditional way of doing CPR, the clinical way of doing CPR, can be very intimidating. There's no question about that. Even you know, even if you're trained in it, um, there's there's a lot of complexity to it that, that you have can have some anxiety about getting just right. Uh, this this new method that we're teaching and that you know we have available for for groups that that are interested and we offer classes in the community is really simple and part of the training that we deliver is that sort of emotional readiness piece where we we help people understand what to expect when somebody needs cpr all the way from the physiological uh, presentation of the patient what that's going to look like and sound like and feel like to the 911 interaction and sort of the the emotional um toll and and so forth the the emotional experience that is involved in that as well so it's a fairly quick uh, training session, but it's very holistic, and we get uh, just amazing feedback from the people in the community that have gone through that. So I, I just can't recommend that enough uh, to anybody in the community that is interested in that. Uh, take a look at our website uh, for the City of Richland Fire Department 
and there's links there to find out where those where those training sessions are. We'd love to be able to to deliver more of those classes in the community. Well, a very moving show for me tonight, and I want to thank all of you for taking part. Chief Tom Huntington, the Richland Fire and Emergency Services Chief, Captain Adam Hargrove, one of the people involved in Tim Hines' rescue, and Tim Hine, thank you for joining us and being so willing to share your story, and Battalion Chief Mike Van Beek with the Richland Fire Department, a wonderful program, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk again next week.